This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Danker. That time of the week where we turn our attention to some top headlines around the region. I'm going to have help with this. But let's take a look at the issues that are worth discussing. Malaysia's Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob. When will he call for elections? Uh, yeah, it's it's coming soon, you know. Uh, Indonesia's special five-year visa to remote workers and business leisure traveller. Can it boost their tourism industry? And is it time for Brunei to move away from their reliance on oil? for their economy. Let's find out more from Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Good morning, Leslie. How are you? I'm doing good, Elliot. Good morning. All right. Welcome back, too. Uh, thank you, sir. We've got a lot to talk about. There was a recent interview at the Nikkei's Future of Asia conference. That's where Malaysia's Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob said the country will have to wait for the right time for a general election. So, BN Coalition is pressing for early elections. That's the background. Is there a good reason why Mr. Ismail is sort of holding back, you know, using this uh, politically correct term, wait for the right time? I mean, what, what's your observation in all of this? Ismail's hold on the premiership is very weak. And some say that he's holding back because he doesn't want to go down in history as the shortest serving prime minister for Malaysia. You know, the other issue says that, you know, the reason is that he's not party president too. So the powers to call for elections clearly rest with the prime minister. But once elections are called, he loses a lot of power because, you know, he doesn't even have the authority to name candidates, you know, in the coming elections. And what's to say that he also won't be made a candidate. So I guess he's holding out for a number of reasons. The question is, can he hold out? Mm. There are pressures from UMNO and they're building by the day for him to call for polls. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's a matter of time before he's painted to a corner and the forces within AMNO will demand that, look, no, we need elections soon, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got till the 14th of September next year to call for an election. It has to be by then. Exactly. Obviously, he's got about a year to establish some kind of popularity. But it's been a troubling term where the Malaysian government is concerned, seeing the change of leaders, what, three times? Exactly, you know. You know so really, many believe that this is something that only can be resolved through an election. So that is Ismail's challenge at this point. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Malaysia King Al Sultan Abdullah Riyadudin Al Mustafa Bila, if I'm getting that right. Wow. Calling for all political issues to be resolved immediately. He's come out to make a voice. People listen to the king. But the fact of the matter is that image, that confidence has already been damaged. Exactly. You know, I think I too was taken by surprise with the King's tone at, in his birthday message. And it marks a major departure from uh, messages that the royals hand out. You know, it's very, this one was very pointed. Mm. He's clearly not pleased with the situation, political situation. There are also other issues, you know, food security and everything else that yeah. he raised in his birthday message. And so some even think Elliot, that this could be a way that the king is actually, you know, it can be taken both ways. Does he want the politicians to actually try and resolve this uh, issue, which clearly hasn't been the case, like you pointed out, we've okay. had three prime ministers. Yeah. But some seem to think that the king too believes that it is only through an election that um, these problems will be resolved, actually. So, you know, it depends on how you want to look at these statements. But clearly, talk and speculation around snap elections 
is the hot, hot button issue in yeah, Malaysia. Yeah. But can it actually have an effect in terms of unifying people? I know there's only so much politically that he can get involved in, but could this be a catalyst? What are Malaysians on the ground saying about this? You know, you know the thing is, I think Malaysians on the ground, they are really fatigued with, uh, yeah, with the, okay. this political you know, logjam that Malaysians are facing today. And I think the King's message is certainly something that people have set up to, but at the end, people really are trying to make ends meet, you know, the large section of Malaysia. Yeah. Yeah. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Let's talk about Indonesia. So they're planning to issue a special five-year visa for remote workers and business leisure travelers to lure visitors back to Bali and a bunch of other destinations. Interesting. What do you understand in terms of the rationale behind this? Is it feasible? I mean, just hearing about it, it sounds quite good. Yeah, well, it is actually, you know. And Tourism Minister Sandiga Uno, you know, I mean, this shows how, I mean, he's smart guy, always thinking out of the box. And, you know, this thing about using Bali's beaches have taken a backseat and they're looking to promote the country and, you know, this uh, the Bali region is the spiritual gateways, you know, for the tech sector. I think it's something that people are going to look at, yeah. you know, people are going to look at. And this is something how I think, uh, you know, countries as they come out of the pandemic and the long extended lockdowns yeah. are going to be doing and promoting. And those who are there first with, you know, clever ideas like this. I'm going to see, I'll reap the fruits of this. You know? Yeah, I mean, you and I, I mean, we had the right equipment. We could work in Bali for five I, years. Why not? For sure, why not? <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> okay, turning our attention to Myanmar, Leslie, the junta there has said it'll execute a former lawmaker from Aung San Suu Kyi's party and a prominent democracy activist, both of whom were convicted of terrorism in the country's first judicial execution since 1990. What's the backstory behind this? And obviously the reaction around Southeast Asia as well. What can you tell us? And we've been talking about the situation in Myanmar for some time now, you know, yeah. since the coup in, in February 2001. And, you know, the situation has just taken numerous turns and it's always been turns for the worst, actually. Yeah. And this is just another one of those turns, I think. And it has been quite unlikely of the military to carry or to want to carry out these executions. We're going to see whether they haven't informed the public of the dates of these uh, executions. But, you know, people are hoping that they will reconsider their decision mm-hmm. and get both parties actually to some kind of negotiations, you know, rather than each time, you know, the ante is just, you know, raised between these two warring factions. Mm-hmm. So there's really uh, nothing good that can come up this. But like I said, it's taking just another drastic turn that isn't what all of us actually yeah. want. Yeah, I hear you on that one. Leslie, final issue. Singapore and Brunei have renewed their commitment to further partnerships in the agri-food sector. And it's great, although it took me by surprise. Brunei, don't they usually rely on oil? What do you think is is the background behind this? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about this partnership. I mean, obviously, this could enhance Brunei's diversification agenda. And we ourselves also are trying to look at agri-food, agri-tech, that type of thing. Well, you know, I think what has been little discussed is that you know, over the past few years, Brunei's agriculture sector has been growing steadily. Mm. The government has pledged more support for farmers and they're trying to open up more farmlands. Okay. And, you know, output in 2017 sort of reached something like 379 million from something like 291 million in wow. 2013. So 
I mean, uh, statistics aren't that readily available, but we're talking about between 2017 and 2013. So, I mean, clearly it is growing. They're serious about diversifying away from oil and gas. Mm. And I think, you know, given the, you know, recent issues over food security, uh, supply food, I mean, these partnerships, you know, especially countries like Singapore and Brunei, they're just going to grow. And I think, you know, Singapore has much to offer Brunei in terms of technical expertise and a whole lot of stuff in promoting the sector. You know? And it's going to be a win-win kind of partnership for both countries. Yeah, And jobs as well. That's quite important. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, yes. yeah. Been speaking with Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent for The Straits Times. Leslie, as always, I appreciate your time. Take care and stay safe. Yeah? Thank you. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.